Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. We've been talking about serious weapons. And we've been going through, and I'm going to start off with the very same scripture that Pastor Patsy started off last Sunday, which is found in 2 Chronicles 10, 3-6. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energised with divine power to effectively dismantle the defences behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow down in obedience to the Anointed One. An amazing scripture. And we shared last week about the believers' arsenal and we've gone through a collection of supply of weapons or munitions. The name, the name of Jesus. We're just singing about that. The word, Tony talked two weeks ago about the sword of the spirit, the word of God and how to rightly divine the word of God. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. These are all weapons. And Pastor Patsy last Sunday again spoke on the blood of Jesus. We've been going through these weapons and I'm looking at this scripture where it says demolishing every deceptive fantasy, every thought. You see, we've got all these weapons but oftentimes we've still got to start in the mind. We've got our spirit and our flesh warring against each other and we need to make decisions and take captive Every thought, like prisoners of war, every thought. I'm going to talk today about the battle that we have and how we can succeed in that battle with these weapons. I grew up at a time when the songs were very much about battles. And we'll see your age depending on how many of these songs you know. But I'm just going to give you a couple of titles and I'll let your mind just go through those songs. Onward Christian Soldiers, for those who are really old in the room and like to sing hymns. Onward Christian soldiers. I hear the sound of the army of the Lord. It's a sound of praise. It's a sound of war. The zeal of God has consumed me. I can run through a troop. I can leave over a wall. Hallelujah. I don't think I've ever run through a troop or leaped over a wall, but I used to sing that at the top of my voice. I don't think I could get over a wall. I went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. We had the actions and everything. Everyone remember that song? They rush on the city. There we go. They rush on the city. They run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. They rush on. No, no, I'm not going to keep going. I think I just lost a few off Facebook there. We used to call that the cockroach song because you had this image of all these people rushing a city and running over a wall. And more recently, I touched the sky when I'm down on my knees. 
songs of war. No, I actually went and looked as we're talking about battles and you know, you know, getting ready for the battle. I thought I'd go onto the website and look up the Australian Army. And it told you all the things that you had to be to, to get into the Army. The first was fitness. And after the sit-ups and push-ups and pull-ups, I knew I was in a little bit of trouble already. But if you get through that, you have a basic fitness level. You then spend 80 days in basic training. Now they focus on fitness, they focus on weapons training, obedience training. Um, if you ever watched uh, you know, any of those movies where they take you through basic training as part of the movie, it's all quite confronting. And after 80 days of this hard slog of understanding things like your weapon, if you watch those movies, you'll see them get a, a gun and they'll dismantle it and put it back together again. Then they're going to do it blindfolded. They understand that, that weapon so well by the time they're through basic training. Because at some point in the middle of the battle, it's dark, it could be smoke, they need, and it jams, they need to know how to pull it apart and put it back together again so it works again. They train, they train, they train. Now that weapon hasn't changed, but their knowledge and their skill of using that weapon is what they're training for. And if we go into a battle, these weapons are great, but how do we use them? How do we utilize them at the right time? We need to, to actually get our, our heads around that and minds around that. After 80 days, they then go to their specialist training. So that depends on their mission. Some are frontline soldiers, some are cooks, some are admins, some are in the information technology or cyber security. There's all different areas of the army. And you know what? They need every one of those people, every soldier, to be doing the right thing at the right time to actually keep going in a battle. We need everyone, not just the two or three who are at the front or the hundreds at the front, everything. I think sometimes we know that there's a battle on, but we're not even aware of the battle raging around us. It's a spiritual battle. We don't war against flesh and blood, but by powers and principalities. And because we can't see physically the enemy, we sometimes are totally oblivious to that enemy. Is that, is that correct? Hope not. I like watching impactful movies. Power of One, Magnificent Seven, Seven Guys Up Against an Army, Love that sort of stuff. Lord of the Rings, Nina doesn't like that one so much. The Hobbit. Now the Hobbit starts off on an unexpected journey. A little Hobbit is nice, safe and secure in his little Hobbit hole. And he joins these 12 others, 13 others, on a quest. And at the end of the first movie, he does something really brave, really out outstanding for himself. And what you see is this small hobbit doing big things because he just didn't want to sit and be comfortable in his little hobbit hole. He's walking with warriors. He wanted to help them have a home too. So we're in a battle. And if you 
seen The Hobbit or those sort of movies, you see a whole ray of soldiers waiting for the enemy to come. The enemies come running at them. They've got their weapons ready. If we saw that, we'd be ready for it. Now, I'm going to start talking about the battle, but I'm going to start in the Old Testament because the Old Testament is a type and shadow of what's happening in the New Testament. You can learn a lot of truths by looking at the Old Testament and how they approached battles. See, war in the natural realm can be seen as we can learn from in the spiritual realm. So I'm going to go to 1 Kings 3 verse 5 and start there. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as is this day. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. He was 12 years old. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of the people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and it bad. For who is able to judge this so great a people? And Solomon got wisdom and he became the wisest person. As I was reading this, there's a key word here. Give therefore. Now I was told if you see a word like therefore or but, you actually need to go and find out what, it, what it's there for. And if, particularly if it's a repeated word or words, you need to actually look at understand it. So I looked at that, so give therefore thy servant. Why is he asking this? And I go back and I see I know not how to go out or come in. And I thought, well, he's 12 years old. He could have a problem with doors may not be able to reach the, the door handle or something like that. And then I thought, well, hold it. Let's look at that bunch of words and find out what that means. So go out or come in. Let me have a look at that. So I went back in the Old Testament, Numbers 27:15, And Moses spake unto the Lord and saying, Let the Lord God, the God of all spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them which may go in before them, which may lead them out, which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. So we're starting to see that go out and come in has a significance. And I'll, I'm going to argue it has a spiritual significance. In the Old Testament is one of war. Now this was just before they appointed Joshua as a successor of Moses. I'm going to keep going and just with this thought for a moment. Deuteronomy 31.2, at the end of Moses' life. He's, a, he's a, just blessing everyone as, he get, as he's about to leave. And he said unto them, I'm 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. There's that phrase again. Also the Lord has said unto me, thou shalt not go over to Jordan. And it goes on. So Joshua takes the lead. Let's go to the end of Joshua's life. Joshua 14:11 As yet I as I strong this to start again As yet I am as strong this day 
as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, to both go out and come in. So going out and coming in is a military term. Now remember, we're talking ultimately about a spiritual warfare. So what does this mean? To go out and come in, military terms mean I actually got to come in to God's presence and go out with God's presence. So from an Old Testament point of view, let's look back at Joseph's life. Actually, before I go there, I'll go back to David. So Solomon did not know how to lead the people out of war. He did not know how to do that. He was not a man of war. David, on the other hand, was a man of war. He knew how to do this. He did it from when he was a shepherd, minding sheep, getting to know with his heart, the heart of God. A lion came against him. A bear came against him. He knew what to do. He was there, sitting there, practicing with his sling. Oh, kills both of them. He knew and practiced with God's anointing on his life. So when he came to Goliath, his reaction was one of, I know where I'm standing. I know my foundation in God. This is not right and I'm going forward. He'd been in and he knew how to go out. Solomon did not know that. So much so that Saul said in 1 Samuel 18, 12 to 13, and Saul was afraid of David. Saul lost the anointing because he started that way. But one day he was waiting and didn't wait long enough and made a sacrifice he shouldn't have made and lost the leadership. He went in but he wasn't doing the right things when he was coming in and he lost the ability to lead on the way out continuing the scripture and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and departed from Saul therefore Saul removed from him moved him from him and made his captain over a thousand and he went out and came in that phrase again before the people you see as a church we go out spiritually, to war. We start by coming in to his presence, understanding his will, understanding the weapons we've been talking about, understanding, pulling them apart, putting them back together, so that when we go out, we know the power of God. We know the tools at our disposal, and God will just drop things in your heart. It's a great story from last Sunday. David was just after church. Next you know, He's ministering to someone. His arm, arm gets healed. David knew what it was like, uh, Pastor David here, knew what it was like to, to work with healing. He understood that ministry. And he went out into the marketplace. War was about witnessing of God's power. You want to actually see God move? It's going to happen more out there than it is in here. Because you take it out there. God's power, the smallest nation, Israel, destroyed Egypt, the most powerful nation at that time. Who did? God did. Canaanite nations, they had God's power. They went to battle with the tabernacle, the presence of God. Let's look at Joshua. 
So Joshua here, coming in, going out. First real battle he faces as leader once Moses is gone was Jericho. Goes to inspect it, meets an angel. He's coming in. Gets the strategy, gets the plan. How do I take this walled city, Jericho? They execute their plan. They then go out, march, 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 destroy. I'm not going to go through that story very much, but they, they won a battle. What happened next? What happened after that? So Jericho is destroyed. There's this little tiny town called Ai. And they thought they knew the weapons. They thought they knew God's will. Well, it was God's will, but they weren't going with God. They didn't come in and consult. They didn't come in and find out what is God saying about this situation. They presumed on the anointing. They presumed on God's covering. And they stepped out. We don't need the whole army. We just need a few hundred of us. A thousand of us, I think it was. And they got trounced. Now, Joshua's a wise man. He came in. He came in and said, God, what... Which loosely translated is, what on earth? They found out God's will again. They came in. They went out and defeated Ai and defeated next nation, next, next. And off they went. If they did not consult God, they got into trouble. Is that a fair statement? Every time they got trapped by something, it's because they hadn't come in before they went out. The people that tried to deceive them with mouldy bread, they didn't ask God. They didn't get his wisdom. If you don't come in, you might be okay for a while. You can do things with your own strength. Just ask Samson. He did it with his own strength. He was okay for a while, but then he got trapped. He didn't come in to see through the wiles of the enemy, of the wicked one. Take captive every thought, every deceiving spirit. We need to be refreshed. We need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus went alone to pray, went up into the hills. Next you know he's coming down, walking on water, saying, peace be still, and the waves stop. Jesus knew what it was to come in and go out. Before his most um, the cri the critical stage of his life of the cross, he was coming in at the gardener's Gethsemane. Coming in before going out. There are two requirements. There's lots of requirements. The two, I'm distilling it down to two. To serve and keep fresh. Go out with the presence of God. We don't go out with or from the presence of God, I should say. We go out with the presence of God. I'm not just talking about church. It's uh, your own devotion. Uh, anytime you need wisdom, come in before you go out. You want to prosper in your workplace, in your home, come in and go out. So go out with the presence of God and the second one is come in to the presence of God. And we can see proofs from David's life when he was full on 
said to the Philistine, Goliath, thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. If you stop coming in and going out, you become stagnant. Water, if it stops flowing and ebbing, does one of two things. It stops, stinks eventually, because it just gets, it dies. Things in it die. If it's a hot sun, it'll eventually dry up and there'll be no water there at all. We've got a moon that goes around our earth to keep the tides going, to keep the waves going totally refreshing our ocean time and time again. It's part of God's design, this ebb and flow, this coming in and going out. If we stop coming in, we dry up. What about if I stop going out? I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here in the presence of God, I just want to stay here. You know what, that's not healthy either. I can sit there and learn about weapons all day, but if I never use them, what's the point? You want to see God move through your life? You've got to go out. You want to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the, and the fruits and see them evident, you need to go out. David had a colossal fall in, one, in 2 Samuel, I think it is, chapter 11, where he didn't go out. He didn't go out where kings normally go out to war. And he ended up being on a balcony he shouldn't be on, looking at a woman he shouldn't be looking at to cause a problem for him for the next quite a few years. Because he did not go out. And it happens when either people stop coming into the presence of God or stop going out with his presence. Coming back to the army example, basic training, coming in, coming out, we already talked about that. Even when they're in battle, they, they bring people in, they relieve the front line, bring another army in. They're constantly moving things in and out because you can't sustain it. You cannot sustain battle for very long. That's why they have tools of duty. It's very practical. So I've gone to the Old Testament. I'm going to flip over to the New Testament because you're sitting there going, well, that's Old Testament stuff. What about the New so if I start off with Jesus' command in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. To Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. Well, that was pretty good. There's the go. What about the, the come? Come in. Acts 1, 4. Tarry. Wait. Come in. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And what were they doing when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? They were all in the upper room together, praying. They were in. What's the first thing they did after they got filled with the Spirit? They went. Go. In the next chapter, they went into the marketplace on the way to church, or to the temple. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I give in thy need. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. They're going. But then he called before the Sanhedrin and told not to do this anymore. What was their reaction? They came in. They prayed. They got filled with the Holy Spirit again. And next day, they were out again, going. 
another place where it talks about going out and coming in is a parable of the great banquet, Luke 14, 15 to 20. And I want you to focus on God's servants as we talk about go out and go in because we are God's servants in this parable. Well, I hope we are. <laughs> when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out and quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what your daughter's been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come so that my house will be full. I will tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. You know, there's no valid reason to come. Three reasons were given here. One was for, I bought a block of land. Well, I, I don't know about you, but blocks of lands don't go anywhere. It's not like it's going to, tomorrow it's not going to be there, so I can't look at it tomorrow. And who buys a block of land with sight unseen anyway? The second, oh, was the oxen. I'm going to try out my oxen. Well, banquets are at night time. How can you even see the oxen to actually try them out? And who also buys an animal without actually checking it out first? And finally, married a wife. Well, where do I go with that one? I can get into trouble on this one. Married a wife. Well, you're being invited to a banquet. When you're first married and you just come back from your honeymoon, don't you look at each other and say, well, who could cook? I actually thought coming to the banquet would be a great idea. There's no valid reason not to come in, to not accept Jesus. I've heard many over the years, oh, there's too many hypocrites at church. Well, there's hypocrites at Suncorp Stadium. That doesn't stop you going to the football. We come because God is in this place. We come to meet our Saviour, to fellowship with other believers. Time is short. We also need to go out. We as the servants shouldn't be sitting at the table waiting for the banquet to start. We should be going out to the highways and the byways, bringing the lame, the sick. Sin is sick. People are lame, people are chained up. And they need to be set free. And he sent all of us. What is our mission field? Everywhere I step foot, 
How lovely are the feet of him that bring good news. We are those feet. Everywhere we step, we are going. And we've got all the weapons at our disposal to make a difference. Healing the guy's arm in a shopping centre. You know, sin can sometimes offend us. I'll give you a tip about that. Sinners sin. Is that a revelation? Sinners do the wrong thing. Such, we were all as well. We were sick. We were lame. Until we came to Christ. I've got an example of driving a car where we all sit there and try and go between the lines because that's the right thing to do. It's a safe thing to do. You stop at a stoplight. And we all expect the same thing. We don't have accidents, although they still do happen. But I remember once going to Indonesia and I was in Jakarta and I learned a few things about road rules or lack of road rules. I hopped in this taxi, which I wasn't too sure about, and I remember he had this little thing right in the far corner, you know, so he could really see exactly where his car ended. And I looked at that and I thought, he mustn't have been a very confident driver. Whoa, that was it. Anyway, so he zips on, zips on 165 kilometres from the airport to Jakarta. And I'm thinking, this, this car's rattling. <laughs> and I'm going, um, what's the speed limit here? I'm quickly looking for a speed sign. 110 sign goes past. Look at his speedo again. Not even close. I saw a police car in the middle. I thought, yes, we'll slow down. Didn't even pause. I said, okay, so speed's not an issue here, okay. We then come to traffic and there's three lanes marked. And they got five cars across in three lanes. And I'm sitting there going, what are the rules here? I remember going to the, the client that I was at and I said, what are the road rules? And they said, well, if you're big, like a big bus, you've got right away. I said, I'm glad I didn't drive there. But that's what sin's like. They don't, they don't obey the rules. They, they, they don't see them even. It's almost like a different country. So don't expect it. They will be manipulative. They will deceive you. They will lie to your face. Some, I mean, people do have morals. Don't get me wrong. But we can't expect them to live like us. Everyone, the crippled, blind, the lame, Satan will do everything to stop you doing these two things. Coming into his presence and going out with his presence. Understanding these weapons and utilizing these weapons out there, he will do everything he can to stop you. He will lie to you. He will do anything. Oh, that's just for a select few. Those that are called evangelists, that's not for you. No, every one of us. Every one of us have feet. Everywhere we go is our mission field. How about us today? What excuses are we making? I can't accept Christ for, insert your reason here, have you put it off? Today could be today. For those of us who are Christians, what's our excuse not to come in? Are we too busy? Looking at land? Buying a new house? 
or oxen, I think it was. Too busy in our relationships. Get into the presence of God. How about our going out? I've got a quote up here from C.S. Lewis, who has um, wrote the Narnia series and quite a few Christian books. Enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is a story of how a rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise as a baby. And is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Who wants to sabotage the enemy's plans for this nation? I know I do. If we think about it like that, it might change the way we go out. Every day looking for somewhere to throw a weapon in. How about this for a word of knowledge? How about this for a bit of wisdom for that person? What are we here for except to be salt to this world? Matthew 5, 13 says, You are the salt of this earth, of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill which cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're supposed to be salt seasoners, light bearers. Do you know we can't live without salt? We must have salt in our diet at some point. All animals need that, not just humans. Right now you can get salt from the supermarkets, rather cheap. It's not always been that way. Salt Wars have been fought over salt. Roman soldiers were paid wages not in silver or gold, but in salt because they could trade it, eminently tradable. The word salary actually comes from the word, derived from the word salt. Payment. What does it mean to be salt? Salt is palatable, tastes nice. Salt is precious. Salt penetrates the food to which it's inserted. You know, you get a nice, a really nice steak. James, you'll understand steak. And you just put salt over it and it just brings out the flavour. I feel like steak for lunch today all of a sudden. But it needs, to, it needs to sit there and get salty. Salt preserves and also prevents decay. Before we had refrigeration, salt was used. Darkness, you think of darkness, it's actually just the absence of light. So think about the darkness in this world. It's the absence of us in that environment. We need to go. We need to go. And I'm looking at time and I need to keep moving. Here are three points to consider while being salt in this earth. What goes around, number one, what goes around comes around. Firstly, get salty. When I, I said that in the first service, I, I sort of looked at the past. Is that okay? It's amazing when you get salty, what happens. Now, in a professional sense, there's statements that are made in a work environment that really illustrates this point well. 
Those who fail to prepare, prepare to fail. It's amazing how lucky you are when you are well prepared. Sun Tzu, who's a famous Chinese general, if you're ever anywhere in his sails, you have to read his book. It says, he will win who prepared himself, waits to take the enemy unprepared. Do you want strategy to take this world? We've got to come in and understand that strategy. We need to get God's wisdom, same way Solomon did. We need to get God's wisdom in every situation we face, in the workplace, in our home life, in our day-to-day lives as we go. But what do I mean what goes around comes around? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We've got to be sowing the whole time. Sowing in every aspect of our lives. Sowing in the workplace. Sowing in your home life. I got into trouble, oh, it must be a couple of years ago now. A friend of ours who lost his wife to cancer um, got a new girlfriend. And he really made me look bad. Flowers every week. Dating, oh, they were always out at, at dinner somewhere. My wife's looking at this on Facebook and going, hey! I needed to be sowing into my marriage. Because that same sowing and reaping principle is everywhere. From a spiritual sense, what am I sowing into? Am I getting these weapons that we heard about? Am I understanding like those those um, movies that you see when they go to basic training, they get their gun and pull it apart. Put it back together. So they know exactly how that gun works. Or am I just taking things for granted? What goes around, comes around. What I put into it is ultimately the time that I prepare in prayer is important for what I do out there. If I'm going to an important presentation, I'm actually praying about that presentation, but it's a secular presentation. What are you doing? Well, I still want favour. I'm going for a job interview. I'm praying about that job interview. Lord, be me. Make me like uh, Joseph that found favour. I want every advantage I can get. And I want to break those spiritual barriers before I even get there. You want to share your testimony? You need to be praying before you start talking. Galatians 6-7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Soldiers, we've talked about the weapons. We should be constantly sowing. Second one, we get it if you get it. Mark 4, 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day. Whether he sleeps or get up, the seed sprout and grows, though he does not know how. One thing about the aspect of the sow and the seed, the seed being the word of God, the ground being the heart, the grain, the harvest, produces results. We need to constantly be sowing. Not only that, 
If I get it, if you get it, then everyone gets it. We all get it if we get it together. We don't leave it just to the pastors to do it or key people in the church. We all got to get it. We all got to be scattering the seed. The Bible says one sows, the other waters, the other reaps. Well, who? We may be reaping over there, but who sowed the seed back there? We get it when we all get it. We talk about revival. Now, revival may start in the church, but it doesn't start necessarily with the pastor. Revival has to start with me. I have to take personal responsibility for that revival. And you have to take personal responsibility for that revival. We take personal responsibility for revival, and next you know, revival will start. We get it if we all get it. I cannot give what I don't have. I've got to get it myself. I've got to come into his presence. I've got to get that so I can give it out. Because otherwise it's hollow. Otherwise it's just noise. I need to do it with God's anointing. I need to do it with God's touch of my life. I need to speak the very words of God to people. I've got too quiet. Thirdly, you can do more than you can do. 2 Corinthians 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. To verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. We use this about finance a lot, but it's actually everything, every part of your life. We're sowing seeds and being generous. It comes back tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. Send out more regardless of of what others feed you. Cut off the cycle that's coming around. Feed our grace, love, God, regardless of what you get back. Because God is enough. God is enough. He's supplying you. What comes from me, what comes from us, has to be from our Heavenly Father. I will be salt. I will, we will be your light and we will go. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle that's getting more and more important every day goes past. We need to come into his presence. We need to understand the perfect will of God, as it says. And we need to go into this world that needs, needs God, needs a Saviour.
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.